Hello and welcome to Track Changes, the podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. My name is Paul Ford and I'm the co-founder of Postlight and I'm joined by my co-host and co-founder, Rich Ziotti. Rich. Good to see you, Paul. We're here in the office recording in our in-house podcast studio. We are. You know, I think people know what we do. We build the apps. We build the web platforms and the websites for the big companies and the innovative little companies and the innovative big companies. Yes. That's what we do. Yep. We're builders. We're designers and builders. Yeah. All right. That's not what people are here. They, they know yeah. what we do at this point. Let's, let's tell them. Uh, let's talk about something else. All right. Let's, let's talk about Uber. It's a big subject for you. You come back to Uber a lot. Well, you know, Uber affected my life in a couple of different ways. It affected a friend, and I actually have, you know, because of my prior history, I have insight into sort of the machinery that works around taxi medallions and the TLC in New York through my brief legal life. And it's a horrible, horrible place. Uh, So Uber comes along, and I know many people perceive it as horrible. And it look, there are certain facets of what they do. That are horrible. Yes. Yes. And and so is it an evil company? I'm going to say this. You know, if you look at the infrastructure of taxi medallions in New York City, it's essentially a small handful of people owned all the medallions in New York. One medallion gets you a taxi. And there's a limited number of them. So you can't endlessly go and buy a medallion. And they would hire drivers, essentially. And the drivers are usually foreigners, usually not great English speaking and whatever. And the pay was terrible, essentially. They, they just would try to grind down as much hour, I mean, as many hours out of them for as little money as Get possible. Get the margins as tight as possible. Get the margins as tight as possible. So it was a racket, effectively. And the right? medallions are going, you know, for half a million dollars or more, right? The va- Well, the value, there used, to be north, there used to be north of a million. These, okay, so Uber a, has hammered the value of the medallion. So down. a relatively small number of medallion owners Correct. emerged who controlled the marketplace on medallions. Not only controlled the marketplace, but controlled TLC. Okay. They controlled how it all worked. Because they needed to maintain their hold and their maintain and to control the territory that they had. There so, is a point I remember reading an article where a guy had Nicki Minaj play his son's bar mitzvah, a medallion were, owner, and he was a medallion owner. There you go. There, I mean, that is the backdrop for Uber. So now, I am convinced of this: that you needed an absolutely filthy player to dismantle what has been dismantled. You could not have done it without being willing to play as dirty as you had to play because these people were ready to cut your throat at any opportunity. If you played by the rules, and look, the rules are a funny thing, right? If you're willing to hide a political operative to start to jump into city government, which is one of the most, I mean, just imagine just filth and moss and a maze, right? I mean, that's city government. Everything is very sticky, Everything is very sticky. So for someone to barrel through and may, and dislodge that, I have respect for that, right? If you start to look at this through a moral lens, it's all very relative, isn't it? It's all very murky, right? There isn't a good guy, bad guy here, right? You've got a terrible guy and probably a less terrible guy being willing to kick the other really terrible guy in the face. There's a certain point of view that you bring to the world, to my world in particular, 
where I think because you were a Lebanese immigrant and raised on narratives of the Lebanese war, where there were very few people who you could refer to as good actors, exactly. you have this worldview that's very, there are no good guys or bad guys for the most part. It's very gray. It's yeah. very gray, right? And you have people, you know, and, and then you see this meteoric rise, right? And, and you see them go city to city and dismantle city to city. And I, I tell you, I have been lectured by school teachers that have been fired. And they said, you know what? I had enough savings. I bought a car, got the license. I bought another car and hired someone. And I have two cars now. And I'm making a pretty good living and I can work whenever I want. If I'm bored on a Friday night, I can get in my car, turn on my app and put three hours in. And that kind of empowerment is real. Now, look, it got competitive fast and Uber, I don't think sat down and said, how do we empower school teachers? I think they no. said we want to take over the world. Well, I think they'd love to get to the point where they could get human beings out of this equation. Yeah. Right? Like they, Look, this is a tricky company. I, I want to talk about one other story, and I All don't right. want to get into too much detail about it. I knew someone who ended up homeless, literally ended up homeless. He had a really tough family situation, and you know he's pretty socially inept. And he ended up in a bad way where he was living in his brother's garage for a while. And then he had a good friend, and he said, you know what? I park my car at work all day. Why don't you change the plates on my car? And... While I'm at work, go drive around and do Uber. Like, you don't even know, to, you need to know the streets. The app will tell you where to go. And it put him on his feet. Now, again, is Uber thinking, how do we help the downtrodden? No, of course not, right? But that's an incredibly empowering story. Because if you think about him saying, hey, why don't you go to the TLC and see what you can pull off? It's a brick wall, right? So that kind of leveling, that kind of just a jackhammer was put to the status quo, I really appreciate. All right, let's hit pause for a sec. Uber, a great company that's done only great things for the world. Now let's talk about how Travis goes to Vegas well, and the, strip joints. Here's the thing. Here's what's tricky here, which is that on the ground, a lot of people have been empowered and have made money they wouldn't otherwise have made. Yes. Okay. So that's real. That happened. That's a side effect of the overall Uber program. And it did extract people from the TLC, which is hard to love as an organization. And it would have never happened. Yeah. I mean, the medallion owners are, are really like, they're very low on the list of good New York City people. Right. They're not evil people, but look, that's what you do. I, I knew, my dad knew a, a guy who had a hot dog stand at sort of the, the square by City Hall downtown in Manhattan. And someone else got the money together and got another stand. And this is before they had set up sort of a licensing of like particular street corners and you actually paid the city to, to have a right. You could pretty much put up a stand anywhere. This other guy shows up and puts up a stand like 250 feet away, right? Do you know what my dad's friend did? He hired two thugs to beat the shit out of him because he literally threatened his livelihood. He just said... This is where I've been for 15 years. You are not going to come here and show up and essentially destroy me. So I'm going to make sure you go a few blocks away. And that's what he did to the guy. And now is that bad? Yes. It's bad, right? It's bad. Is it bad that that other guy just came and showed up and set up shop? Yeah. I mean, yes. Here we sort go. Sort of, but right? it's, it's public territory. It's Exactly. Exactly. Now, he shouldn't have done that to Look, this, this guy. Is, there was a point where I was walking home one day 
And this guy was just standing somewhere making a cell phone call and talking. And a woman came up with a little ice cream cart and she just smashed right into him because he was standing in her spot talking on the cell phone. And she just almost didn't see him. And he's just like, what the hell are you doing? I'm talking on my cell phone. And she's like, that's my spot. Yeah. Right. This guy thought about his children. Yeah. He's like, if you're going to do this to my children, I have to beat you up. Yeah, exactly. And he's so, and then the guy's like, well, maybe I'll go sell hot dogs down the street. That's what happened. Look, I mean, this is the real world, right? This is this is what we're in, and this is the tricky thing with Uber because it's a it's a nasty, rapacious company. A lot of the time, they, they there's all this stuff with them stealing secrets with yeah. self driving cars. Oh and yeah, stuff. so as they play a, dirty as no an overall corporate actor, they're very dangerous for the world because what you look at with them. I see what you're saying about them empowering people. I think that that's very real. And I think there's, there's kids who are going to get better health care because their dad or mom could drive for Uber. Yeah. That's a real thing. That kid, you know, kids are going to go to college because yeah. of Uber. Yeah. Okay. So that, that happens. But at the same time, you've got this force. It doesn't stop. Top right. to bottom. And it gets to the point where it's just malevolent upon the culture. And I think that you see a lot of people responding without having a lot of empathy for the people on the ground which i think is tricky i think it's a bad it's a bad liberal posture that happens a lot where people go after the company but don't think about the way that things are connected yeah that part is and i can understand where you might be you might roll your eyes a little bit but this thing is a beast and it is not acting in anybody's best interest and it's there's a certain scale you hit as a capitalist enterprise yeah where you got to start thinking about other people like you don't get to just take a poop everywhere no, you don't. Uh, here's, I think, where it gets funny, right? I think what happens for someone that is incredibly ambitious and wants to take over the world, they truly believe that the net outcome at the other end of what they're doing is positive. Right? Absolutely. So, But what happens is this. Oh, narcissists believe that it's really important yeah. that everything goes their way. Such that the collateral damage of what they do when they do that calculation, they're still ahead, right? This is not that different when you think about the calculations around war. Look, like you can't when, if, if we hadn't dropped that big bomb, did we, did we save lives with the big bomb? So there's the moral justification. So I think... Well, and we're in a position too in this country. Like we're not, it's not like Russia where you, you eventually jail the oligarchs that you don't like. Yeah. Like you can't put Travis in jail. No. Let me be Travis for a second, okay? You go ahead and tell me, hey, you have the sinister way of going into a city and putting Uber in place and then gaining momentum without the city even knows. Why don't you let me talk to Travis for a minute? Okay. Travis, many of the things you do destroy entrenched structures, some of which are bad, but many of which protect people on the ground. Why don't you care? I do care. What I do... If when I go into the city, right, and I put it in place, guess what happens? Two things happen. Drivers show up because there's a need. And the second thing that happens is passengers show up because they're tired of getting into shitty, disgusting taxis right, let me tell and you- paying more. So what I should fail, the market will tell me when I fail. Oh, but good, the truth the is I am not the one that is carrying it. Guess who's carrying it? The population that embraces what I do. And when they embrace what I do, they embrace it not because they're universally Yeah, evil. well, this is great, but why do you have to do like 50 or 60 separate 
lying, deceitful things in order to get your app right, in order to keep the cops from knowing where your drivers are, in order to keep Apple from knowing how things are going. Like, this is a trail of deceit and lies that you enable in order to get your company going. And I hate your face and you suck at Wee Tennis. Pregnant pause. Uh, should I continue to be Travis? Absolutely. Okay. This, I'm, this feels real good. Right. Uh, the world is a better place with Uber in it. Millions of passengers are happy. They have voted. They vote because my company is worth $80 billion. And it is not worth that because people are feeling charitable. Right? This is a game. This is a sport. And I'm winning. And the only reason I'm winning is because everybody's getting behind me. So the people that complain are getting in my cars. Yeah, well, why don't you stop trying to screw with the system to compete with to, – to destroy competitors? I am the advocate of a greater good. And sometimes you have to do some things that are just not that pretty to get to that greater good. Like illegally do things that damage your competition. My competition – okay, Apple – Tim Cook sits me down and he says, you're breaking my rules and I'll kick you out of the app store. It is disgusting that one corporation has that sort of stranglehold on this many companies and this much value around the world. I should kick that guy in the nuts because they have no right to take what used to be a free open internet and put a lock hold on it and tell me if you don't behave and do what I say, I'm going to kick you out. What the hell happened to the open internet? You're a narcissistic goon who won't be happy until you can hump a drone. Now you're just being mean. I know, but it feels so good. <laughs> All right, look, I don't think we're going to resolve the issue of Uber's no. moral role. Uh, I just want to say something about my position here. Yeah. I think this guy does a handful of disgusting things, and I think he's going to get punished for it, and thank God for the press, and thank God for how this, how this all works, right? Because the balance of power is going to eventually, whether it be government or other really big companies, is going to put him in his place. And I think he'll be gone at some point. I don't think it's fair that people are like, well, he goes to strip joints. Like, that's none of your business. Um, I think he's gross, but there are many CEOs who go to strip joints. It's gotten to a point where it's become, how do we, well, let's paint this disgusting well, he's story. A, he's a villain now. He's an idiot is what he is. When you go, if, you, if you're at that position of power and wealth, you should not be going to a strip joint and opening your laptop at the strip joint. I think he did that. Yes. Right. So well, that's ridiculous. But I think that was back in the day. No, what you're supposed to do is take the penthouse suite and you make a couple of okay, phone calls. Okay, let's, let's move on All right. in, our, in our podcast. <laughs> um, he's very wealthy. Here's the thing. Very rich people in our era are exceedingly weird. And the yeah. thing, one of the things I think about this whole scene of like the PayPal mafia and the Travis Kalanick. Is it Kalanick? 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 I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, and Jeff Bezos. And the things they buy are weird. And they're all, all these guys want rockets. That's a big thing. Rock? I think it's phallic. You think it is? I think there's something there. I think there's something there. I think they want to represent themselves in a certain way. I mean, it is true. They are literally shooting things off of the earth. That's not a good look exactly. when, you, when you think about it that way. That's right. God, you just turned all the space stuff incredibly gross. Well, let's, I mean, let's, it's weird. Let's go back to your point, which is, it's just silly. Like, what else are you going to do? I guess that's true. Once you get You've that, like. You've done it. You've got the yacht. F- yeah. Does Ellison want to go into space? I have a feeling he doesn't. Ellison, I think, just wants better samurai swords. We're talking about Larry Ellison, who created uh, Oracle. He's a weird dude. So. This is the thing. Like you they give don't you, know what... I think they don't know what to do. So, I mean, Bezos bought the Washington Post. 
That's right. So that that was a normal rich person thing That's to do. That's a move that's made, right? Yeah. It's, it's a vanity. I call them vanity purchases. They buy big league sports teams. They buy newspapers because right. they feel like, you know what? We must protect this important. It's also, it's these are businesses where you can have a couple down years and maybe one up year and you're still, you can work that out. Yes. Like sports teams and, and newspapers are things where you actually need a little bit of a long view in order to it's to, a fun new there. problem right yeah. it's a fun new challenge and they create for you tremendous interesting social opportunity incredible you're right. never you're never bored someone always wants to come see the clippers play mm-hmm. and that's paul allen right who owns them no steve bomber owns steve bomber steve bomber that's right paul Sorry. allen owns, i think owns the seattle team that's I think right he owns the seahawks and someone else so um, and these are really dumpy just these are white people that aren't in shape. They're in terrible shape. Well, They're they all, all no, they all get like skinny in their fifties though. You notice that they get Bomber? the good personal. Tra- yeah, he's lost a lot. Has he really? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Compared to the old days when he would like break his ankle just running around on stage. Right, right. No, right, right. no, no. These they, okay. they get because what happens is someone prepares, you know, discs of protein for them every day. I think. Right, yeah. right. So yeah, those guys boats. Sports teams, newspapers, but then there's this new breed who's like, we got to get to Mars. We got to go. Elon Musk is one. Bezos wants to get us into space. Richard Branson wanted to do that for a while from Virgin. He was really into the rockets. Uh, Look, I think- Bill Gates just wants to get everyone immunized. Yeah, he wants to hand everybody mosquito nets. He just wants to put a needle in Which is great. Which is, I mean, look, Bill Gates, I mean- we will look back and say, well, what's my mission for the rest of my life? And say, well, this is a, this guy turned it around. I right? swear, I spent 10 years hating the guy. And now yeah, I'm just it's like, tough. Eh, all right, okay. Exactly. Um, so here's, you want to hear another theory? Mm. Um, I think when you get to that level of wealth and freedom, death is amplified. I think dying. Because it's kind of the only thing you have left to worry about. It's, that's it, right? So if you put Mars in front of that, like you got to put something big in front of it's it. It's true. These are people who are very motivated, motivated by enormous projects. Exactly. Right? We need to, challenges, and, and they want they like to move markets. Yes. I remember talking to people who worked at Microsoft, and Microsoft doesn't necessarily think in terms of like let's ship a new product. It thinks in terms of what will this market look like in ten years. Yeah. And where are we going to be in this market? And can we essentially control or have direct influence in the overall marketplace for online advertising? office automation software, just whatever it is, yeah. right? At a st- This is a scale that very few companies get to think Well, it's of. not like you and me where we're like, can we ship that in three months and yeah. see if anybody likes it? No, sure. They sure. Gonna, they know that 100 million people are going to be implicated. Are going to go. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so I think you're right. You get to that scale. It's very nation state level. And I think it's also like Gates is an exceptionally wonky human being from birth, right? You give that guy a spreadsheet and you say, I think if we do these 144,000 things, we could get a 0.01% increase in, in our overall health outcomes. Yeah. And he'll go, okay, well, you know, what else can we do to get that number up? Yeah. And then run through all 144,000. I think 000. that's the sport for him right now. And that's a meaningful thing because there are some terrible problems in the world. Right. right? But the guy is wired to that level. Yes. Like, let's Problem get in, solved. Let's get in the private jet and somebody, you know, I'm, I bet there's like a really nice projector in the in the... In the on jet. the private jet yeah. where like MS Office comes up. Yeah. And it's the desktop version, not the web version. And uh, just projects there in the in the jet and tells them really interesting Does the private statistics. jet like land in like Nigeria? Yeah, that's his big thing. He's actually a little apologetic about it. He's like, well, you know, it's a real indulgence to have a private jet, but it makes my, my uh, philanthropy so much easier. Got it, got it, got it. Right? So <laughs> I mean, literally. You have no- like a private chef in the tent, even though you're going to visit the... 
I, the, I think the thing with Gates is that he actually was always a fly coach, didn't really care too much kind of guy. Yeah, I can so, see that. Same with Warren Buffett. Like, I don't think it was a yeah. necessarily... Buffett this, gets on my nerves a little bit. Yeah, but I don't think it's a huge affect. I think they're just like, oh, God, what am I going to do? And then, then they go, well, I don't really want to change anything. I, I, I like yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, what's fascinating to me, though, is he's the other class of billionaire just really is into like a certain kind of mega transportation. Also, Elon Musk is into the hyperloop. He wants to get us like they want to mess point with point A to point B real fast. They like to point to like you don't we don't have enough yeah. bullet trains. We don't have enough whatever. Yeah. yeah. And self driving cars. So it's like everyone's gotten very into transportation. Yeah. I don't know what to do with that. I, I think you know, again, I think it's I think it's problems that they probably won't solve. Which yeah, is great. That's right? the attractive That's humbling part. and and I think you're better able to embrace your mortality a little bit here. It's like, okay, well, I've set the stage, and this will be realized 100 years after my death, and they'll call it the Musk Hyperloop. Did you take the Musk this morning? Yeah, did you take that? That's right. right. That's right. To Musk Plaza. Yeah. Have you been to Musk Plaza? There's yeah. a great Cinnabon there. That's where they put the chip in your neck so you behave. Right. Yeah. Ex- exactly. So that is immortality. You're right. right. Maybe, that's it. Maybe we're reading all of these great, you know – rocketry advances the wrong way maybe what they're about is the future and just dealing with the fact that you're going to die yeah so what will my legacy be it will be spraying rockets right. into the earth prime ministers and dictators name libraries and airports after them that's right so that this it's is true the these guys want spaceports yeah. yeah yeah look at me i made this happen right and you're right it's impossible yeah. so it's something they can stay awake at night and stare at the ceiling about right. just like they used to do before they made that first billion dollars exactly they can just sit there and scratch that itch and pick that scab until finally yeah they're sending their own satellites up or yeah. they're dead yeah These okay are, yeah exactly. exactly makes sense to me all right rich this is interesting because we're talking about bazillionaires who want to go to space. Travel. Yeah. I think it's, we've got a theme for this podcast, Paul. I think it is travel. It's the travel. I think we're talking about travel. It's the point A to point B podcast. So I have a different angle on this, which is that I take the bus every day. I don't. The bus, you and the bus fascinates me. Well, so first of all, it's an express bus. So now we're talking about... The bus system in New York City. Yeah, we should clarify that. I think we, we yeah. I take it for granted. And so, it's an incredibly elaborate bus system. And the, the standard bus system is this massive map far eclipsing the train map. This is the thing. People think about... It's pretty the, impressive, actually. People think about the subways in New York City because they've seen that map and you see pictures of the trains and so on. But an unbelievable amount of the transit in New York City is... Well, actually, an enormous amount is done by car. Nobody really pays much attention to that when they're out of the city. But like millions of people are driving around every day, which right. is very it's infuriating. It's infuriating. It's not what it's designed for. And uh, the other thing that's going on is that there is a vast bus system that connects to all the subway lines and covers all the boroughs. And so it's really important because it's uh, on along the subway lines, housing tends to be a little more expensive. You're a little more tightly connected. Yep. And so... The buses are a path for people who don't have as much money to connect to the rest of the city in a relatively time-sensible way. Like, yes. Usually you can get to a subway in about probably 20 minutes to a half hour for most buses. So it's not an enormous penalty to pay. Right. And so- uh, You also, you, I mean, knowing you, you like to be above ground. You want that connectivity. I do like to be above ground. I like to be I like to be on my phone. I'd love to look out the window at the infrastructure of the city. I do enjoy that a lot. I, I just like looking at New York City. It's, yeah, it's endless. It's very meditative because you look at it and you go, wow, you know, they built that. Somebody got there and built that. 
and now they're all dead, and I'll be dead too, and that's fine. Like it's just it chills that's me out. That's a good thought as you're on the bus. It actually is. You see the Brooklyn Bridge, and you're like, oh, that's still here. That's cool. Yeah. So I take the express bus, which is yeah, a little bit of a a little bit of a secret New York City thing. They're more expensive, and it just so happens that our office and my home are well connected. Yeah. By the express bus, and it's very chill. You get on. It's nice. You have your own seat. It's nice to have that pocket of time because when you're not on, not in that setting, and I go on the train, yeah. which actually I lose connectivity, which forces me to read and sort of pause and listen to music, you just don't bother the rest of the day. We're so connected all day long that we don't say, okay, it's time for a 20-minute rest period. Well, and it's nice to look out the window and think Yeah, first. exactly. Like, it really is my time. I've got, you and I both have little kids at home. Yep. And we've got a company that we are running. Yes. And so that is the window. Well, I just get to be myself. I don't have to be the co-founder of Postlight and I don't have to be dad. Right. I'm just this schlubby guy looking at his phone, looking out the window at the the Manhattan. It's heavy, right? I mean, the New York City bus system allows Paul Ford to be himself. It does. It's my freedom. Right. And so the buses didn't used to be so good Mm -hmm. because you would sit and wait for a bus and it wouldn't come. And For, that, yeah, and you had no there was way no, of knowing. Well, they had these little charts at every stop with that clock. tell you. We, yeah. And what they tell you is like, you know, there'll be a bus at 545, 550, 555. And you'd be sitting there looking at that thing and kind of checking your watch. It's utter nonsense. 25 minutes would go by. Yeah. Because the buses are running in a loop and they all got bunched up at the, you know, Cadman yeah. Plaza or whatever. Yeah. So a couple years ago, they introduced a thing called bus time, mm-hmm. which is kind of one of my favorite things in the world. It's an API. So you can, if you're a programmer, you can mess with it. And if you use the MTA, the Mass Transit Authority's website, you can access it and it tells you when all the buses are coming. It's also in many apps. Yeah. There are many New York City bus apps because I guess the API is free. Everything, yeah. No, and it has changed the way that people live in New York City. Wow. It really has. When I leave the office, I check it and I know kind of how fast to walk. To mm. get to my bus stop. That's a I big kn- deal. I know when the express buses are coming. I know. And now they're starting to, it, it was on apps for a while. Now they're starting to put it more and more into signage. Uh. So you have this very interesting thing where this API has really knit the city more closely together. And That's now awesome. the city itself is starting to become more sensitive to the status of its own transit. To time. and Now yeah. it's very interesting to me because I feel that we're, we're slowly, as everyone else is talking about self-driving cars or, or rockets to Mars, we're knitting together the city through these various APIs and this little bit of information just kind of consistently a little bit more is leaking out every yeah. year. Mm-hmm. And it means that you in space are very aware of kind of what your options are with your Metro card. Like you you can go anywhere. It's very cool. Now, I'm very directed home at this point. Like I know I need to get home because I got to help get the kids to bed mm-hmm. or, um, you know, or I'm headed in here in the mornings. But there'll be a point in my life that I'm really looking forward to where the kids are a little bit older and I'll be able to grab them or just go myself and hop on the bus, hop on another bus and they are starting to understand that, you know, it'll be five minutes, what that means. Right. And so I'm looking forward to that. I think that that... My kids also love the bus. Oh, they love it. No, children love the bus. Yeah. And I've brought my son uh, into Manhattan on the express bus a couple times. And uh-huh. it's like, it is an adventure and a half. Yeah. We get off at Battery Park and we run around like it's good. So these things are enabled by that API. 
that is a tool and a system that yeah. is bringing people together. And I'm. It took years, but now I see everyone kind of checking their phone. Yeah. And not freaking out about like when one leaves if there's mm -hmm. another one coming. And it's worth noting the backstory of how this API came to be. There was a plan, and and you know a mandate given that let's do this. You know, have there be a network where people can know when the buses are coming and going. And it went through sort of the standard RFP proposal process that the city would do for like construction. Right. And this has always been a problem with technology, which is that the bidding, I and mean, this is how healthcare.gov got into trouble too. Yes. It, was a, it was the companies that were good at bidding on government work right. got the work. Exactly. And what, you, what happened was it was this outlandish number. And this ridiculous time frame. There is a, an article, by the way, that tells this entire backstory. We should link to it in we the will. notes. And it didn't never came together. I think they tried a pilot phase or something, and nothing like it just was taking forever. And there are all these glitches. And then, if I'm not mistaken, somebody got wind of a project out of MIT that essentially just was dead simple. It was just not that complicated. Like and they glued a Nokia cell phone to the yeah, ceiling or something. Yeah. yeah, it was just really basic. And they're like, we think we can do this fast and cheap. And, and I think they piloted that. And then they said, go. And I think the reason they were able to say go is because there was advocacy within the city government that got the, the nonsense out of the way, that got the, you know, the entrenched players out of the way to let it happen. Otherwise, it would have never happened. It's been years now for the, the, the train systems. And I think there you've, I bet it's not technical. Like, what's the issue? It's doable. It's doable. Yeah. And what it is, is it's, it's this bottleneck that's driven by humans and, and just the status quo of power that exists in New York City. Like, get, like get it done, right? I mean, I can tell you right now that a, a BM3 bus is 15 minutes away from, you know, 23rd and Park Ave. See, that's, a, that's so cool. Right. right. And then I know how long it'll take me to get right. home. I can plan and coordinate with my wife. Like, right. it makes me a better person yeah. to have that information. Yeah. I am more useful to my community. Sure, so exactly. It, it's, it's probably, if you want to look at pure economics, it is probably a net benefit economically. It's hugely empowering. Well, you think about it too, because think about the way the city really works. You have relatively low-income people who are coming in to work as nannies, let's say, for upper-middle-class people. Mm -hmm. And nanny and parent communication is often a source of stress. Yes. Stress for the nanny, stress for the parent. You've yes. got people who need to make their living, and the bus yeah. is late. The dependency is huge. The bus is late. She can say, the bus is late. Mm -hmm. And the person can go, okay, I can now call work, tell them I'll be a half hour late. Right. And so this sort of trickle-down effect that used to take a lot, it used to really back things up. Well, you didn't know. There's more communication. You now. have information, right? And that's a very powerful thing. And that's the real life of the city. That is yeah. how money transfers around inside of New York City is bodies moving from one place to another. That's right. And, and you know, sort of all kind of drifting towards Manhattan, but not everybody goes in. Yeah. That's that impressive. Me, it's, that's a great technology success story. I'd rather more of that than more rockets. Yeah, exactly. Just get me to Queens, This is man. the thing. I don't have to get to Mars. Get me to Queens. <laughs> right, right. Get me to like the Queens Museum. I never right. go there. Tell me how to get there. Right. And look, as a worst case scenario, there is Uber. <sighs> let's, let's bring it all together here, Paul. Or Lyft. There's or Lyft. Lyft. The Lyft is very is, nice. Here's, here's yeah. my problem is that, yes, Uber's evil, 
But then I'm supposed to suddenly fall in love with Lyft. <laughs> right, or one right? of the other ones. Like, don't tell me that some giant venture-backed company is somehow the, the soulful yeah. good one. Right, exactly, <sighs> exactly. So here right. we are. I mean, we're all polluting. No, exactly. All right, well, look, it's an imperfect world, and we're imperfect people in it, but we do like APIs that help people get around. Yes, and this was, you know, the track changes, travel podcast. <laughs> it's pretty good. You know what I like, though, is that the Uber- Brought to you by United Airlines? Exactly. The, the Uber app and the bus time app, right? Like, yeah. you've got, the phone is the connective tissue. It, oh, absolutely. But we had a friend yesterday changing flights- like she was ordering a sandwich that's right. on her phone. That's right. No, that's all changed. But one of those apps is to put one or two people in a car and one actually knits the whole city together and changes the economic fabric that way. Exactly. So it's, it's a, to me, the priority culturally feels like it should be more on the latter. But right now, the big story in the world is Uber, is it evil? What are we doing about it? Exactly. But it's, it's a car country, even though we don't live in a car city. Yes. So I think like that, that is going to guide the stories that people are telling. I think that's right. All right. Well, I'm going to go get my bus. All right. I'm going to open the Uber app for no good reason. No good reason. Yeah. You would never actually take an Uber, Rich. No, no. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, this is Track Changes, the podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio in New York City. I am your co-host and co-founder, Paul Ford. And I'm Rich Ziotti, the other co-host. And the other co-founder. Look, if you need us, you can just send an email to hello at postlight.com. You can give us a rating on the iTunes store if you're so inclined. We enjoy hearing your questions, and we'd love to talk to you anytime. Have a great week. I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.